Hi, I'm Edwards Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Imagine being one of the Magi, one of those three kings, those three wise men that we celebrate in this upcoming feast of the Epiphany. And I know you know the story. I know every Christmas season you sing that song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. But but do you really know the story? Do you know who these men were? Do you know what it was like to be them? Do you know what they were searching for? What were they experiencing on their journey? The Bible gives us some beautiful little details that are so powerful that can help us and our own search for Jesus, and our own desire to encounter him. So just imagine being the Magi. Well, who were the Magi? The Magi probably came from Persia. They're part of the priestly class. They would have been known for interpreting dreams, interpreting signs. But if you were one of these Magi, perhaps you were familiar with a certain prophecy that came from one of your own people. In fact, the most famous Magi ever mentioned in the Old Testament was a Magi from the East. And this Magi, a man named Balaam, gave a famous prophecy. Do you remember that prophecy? It comes in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. This Magi from the East, Balaam, gave a prophecy about how one day a star would come over Israel. And this star that would rise out of Israel would be a sign of the coming of a great king. A great scepter will rise out of Israel, a symbol for a king. Perhaps... If you were one of those magi, you were familiar with this prophecy from one of the ancestors, one of the the magi who came before you. Now, you suddenly see a star, this great sign, this great bright light coming over Israel. You follow that light. You travel. You go on this journey seeking this sign. You get to Jerusalem. You talk to Herod, the king that's there, and and Herod points you to Bethlehem, which is the royal city of the Jewish prophecy, the hope that one day a new son of David, a new king would come from that city. So now you've got confirmation. This is the city. This is the place we're going to find the one we're looking for. And as they drew near to the city of Bethlehem, the Bible gives this marvelous line. It says that the Magi rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They're so excited, filled with so much joy to meet their heart's deepest desires. What happened when they walked in to that house and they saw Mary and Joseph and the child Jesus? What happened? That's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. And we're going to see that their journey and what they encounter and how they encounter the Christ child is a great model for us in our own walk with Jesus as we seek him and him alone to be first in our lives, to be our king. And that's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and Merry Christmas. It's still the Christmas season. I'm also going to tell you Happy New Year, of course, as well. But as Catholics, we celebrate Christmas all of these days, all the way up to the Epiphany. And so we're not going to just celebrate it on December 25th. It's going to go to the 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th, 31th, and all the way to Epiphany Sunday each year. So I'm so excited in this Christmas season to get into the story of the Magi, but I want to ask you for some prayers here. I am in St. Louis this week, and I'm here with about 20,000 other young people from all over the country, from Mexico, from Europe, from overseas, at the Great Focus Seek Conference. We are in downtown St. Louis at at the big dome there, the the former NFL football stadium. It is so moving uh, to see so many young people full of faith. 
but please pray. If you could please pray for all of us, but especially those young people, that they may come to a deep encounter with our Lord Jesus and fall down and worship like the Magi did. Uh, and, and so please pray for them and their walk with the Lord, and then they may be filled with whatever it is God wants to bless them with this week, that they may be receptive to that, and that they may go back to their campuses closer to Christ and going back, setting the world on fire with Jesus Christ and be light in this dark culture that we're living in today. So please pray for us at the Focus Conference this week, but let's turn back to the story of the Magi. So they've been traveling, they're following that star, Maybe they, they're aware of that prophecy from one of the former Magi that had foretold that uh, the star would come over Israel. And that would be the sign of a great king coming out of Israel. And they go and they, they find out that this king is expected to be born in Bethlehem, according to the Jewish prophecies from Micah chapter 5. And then they get close and they're filled with great joy. I love that line. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then they enter the house and they lay eyes upon the Lord the Christ child. And what does the Bible tell us that they did? As soon as they saw the child, what did they do? Matthew chapter two, verse 11 tells us they prostrated themselves. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. I love this. This is a beautiful thing. They didn't just come in and say, oh, hey, how's it going? Are you the king? Uh, tell me about your life or ask Mary and Joseph. But no, the first instinct that we get from the Bible is to fall down and worship. Now they prostrated themselves, and I want you to know that prostrating yourself, laying flat on the ground before someone, it was something you would do in the ancient Near East for a king. So they clearly recognize him as a king, but there's something more happening here. This isn't just the, the supreme royal homage you would give to a king. The Bible tells us they also did him homage and prostration and, and, and giving someone homage in Matthew's gospel, which is where we get the account of the Magi, is also, this is associated not just with a king, but with divine worship. When you would worship someone as God, that, that, that's what this was associated with. You're worshiping God. I, I think about in the gospels, you read about how the Canaanite woman will prostrate herself before Christ. I think about in Matthew chapter 28, verse nine, after the resurrection, Mary Magdalene and the women are, are greeted by Jesus and they fall down and they worship him. Uh, they fall down at his feet. Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, also after the resurrection, Jesus is appearing to the apostles and he's about to give the great commission and they fall down and they worship him. So when we see the Magi prostrating and, and paying Jesus homage, this is, I mean, this is incredible. This isn't just the royal homage you give to a king, an earthly king. I think in Matthew's gospel, it's highlighting the worship, that they're worshiping Jesus. What does the devil say to Jesus in, in the, the temptation scene? Do you remember Matthew chapter four, verses nine through 10? The devil's tempting Jesus. And he says, hey, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth if you do what? If you fall down and worship me. Jesus, of course, refuses that temptation. He's the one that receives that kind of homage as the Magi prostrate themselves and, and pay him homage. And so this is associated with worship. And I think this is important for us in our own worship of God as we're seeking him. I think especially in this year, in the United States at least, we are, we're, we're having a Eucharistic revival 
There's this great Eucharistic Congress we're going to celebrate in Indianapolis this summer. And so parishes all around our country are concentrating on catechesis, formation around the Eucharist, giving opportunities to encounter Jesus in the Eucharist more, and in adoration, Eucharistic processions. And this is something, even if you're not in the United States, we all want to have a revival, as I said earlier this fall in, in the, on the show. We all want to have a revival of Eucharistic devotion in our own hearts. This is something the church actually makes a connection with related to the Feast of the Epiphany. The church officially teaches that what the Magi do as they prostrate themselves and they pay Jesus homage, giving him the worship that is due to God, this is the attitude we should have when we approach when we approach Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. When we go into Eucharistic adoration, when we walk into the churches uh, in our own hometown, in our own cities, our own parishes, when we go before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, in the tabernacle, what do we need to do? We need to fall down and worship. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go lay prostrate. You know, can you imagine going up to receive communion, everyone's laying prostrate, that would take, take a long time. But some kind of reverence, the church requires us before we go to receive Holy Communion, some act of reverence. And in, in every bishop's conference around the world gets to decide what that act of reverence is, because every culture has different expressions of reverence. And one act of reverence may make sense in one cultural context, but it actually isn't very reverential in another context. So every local bishop's conference decides this. And I'm just going to share in the United States, we're invited to bow down, to at least bow our heads reverently before receiving Holy Communion. And the bishops also say that if somebody wants to go up and genuflect, that they, that no priest should deny that person Holy Communion. They they should be able to receive Holy Communion as well if they want to express it that way. But but I want to highlight this because we want to have Eucharistic reverence. I want us to, to, to imagine when we go up to receive communion, we're like the Magi. And our hearts should be filled with this longing, this yearning. You know, even maybe not just when we come down the aisle, but maybe even when we drive to our churches, we're getting ready to go to church on Sunday, getting ready to participate in the mass. Our hearts should be on fire. It shouldn't be like, oh gosh, I got to fit this in now. Oh, wow, this is going to be hard. It's really busy and I hope the homily's good and I hope it doesn't last too long. That, that should not be the attitude in our hearts. We should be coming with reverence and like, like, like the Magi, we should have joy. We should be rejoicing. We get to be in the presence of our King, the presence of our Lord. We get to listen to his word in, in the liturgy of the word, and we get to receive him in Holy Communion. We should be rejoicing exceedingly with great joy like the Magi were on their journey. Let's go to every Mass with excitement with an attitude of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to come and be with you. And then as we're going through the prayers, let's try to pray the words of the Mass as reverently as we can. Now, I don't know about you, but does your mind ever wander when you go to Mass? <laughs> I know it happens to be, happens to all of us. We're not angels. We're not able to pay attention perfectly. But we should try to give our best and pay attention and to say the words of the Mass with reverence, with love, and if our mind wanders, maybe I can pull out the missalette, or maybe I have a little book like Magnificat with me and I'm reading along with the prayers. I know that helps me to concentrate a little more, to enter into the prayers of the Mass more. 
I don't want to get discouraged if my mind ends up wandering here and there, but, but I do want to try to make a good effort to concentrate because the Mass is beautiful. It's our chance to, to draw close to Jesus and to worship Him. And, and, and this is giving God the worship that is His due. It, it is out of justice that we participate in the Mass and give Him prayer and give Him praise, and we worship Him in the Eucharist. But it's not just a duty. It's our privilege it's a great opportunity to, that we can be with our God, the all-holy, all-loving God. And we're so sinful, and we're so weak, and we're so forgetful, and we make mistakes, and yet God comes to us. He seeks us out, and he wants us to draw near to him. So let's go like the Magi with rejoicing, rejoicing exceedingly with great joy, and let's go with reverence. A couple practical points here for going in reverence is as I already mentioned, one of them is going up when we receive Holy Communion, we should always show some reverence in receiving. And at least at minimum, the church requires us in the United States, in our cultural context, the bishops ask us to at least bow. You can also go up and genuflect and and, and the priest will give you Holy Communion. Uh, so th- that's another possibility. But, but I want us to see we have to have an act of reverence like the Magi did. The other thing I want to highlight is that we also want to enter our churches with reverence. It's a beautiful thing when you walk into a Catholic church, not just walk in and walk out. You realize that when you walk into the sanctuary of your parish, that is holy ground. And you want to genuflect. We have the holy water font there. We want to bless ourselves with the holy water. We want to recall our baptismal promises there. But we're blessing ourselves with holy water, a very good thing and to do it reverently and fall on our knees in worship like the Magi did. They entered the house of the king, the house of Jesus. We should think of our Eucharistic chapels. We should think of our parishes as the house of the king. And let's do the same thing. Let's fall on our knees and genuflect. Beautiful thing that we should do. Let's teach our children to genuflect. And the genuflect with reverence, not not a quick genuflection or rushed genuflection. No, let's really fall on our knees in reverence before our king like the Magi. And then let's make the sign of the cross, a good sign of the cross, not a rushed one, not a sloppy one. We are in the presence of the King of Kings. Now, listen to what the Council of Trent said. The Council of Trent said this, how the Magi's worship of Christ models for us how we should adore him in the Eucharist. Here's what the Council of Trent said. For in this sacrament, we believe that the same God is present whom the eternal father brought into the world. It is the same God whom the Magi fell down and worshiped. This is the same God. The Magi fell down and worshiped him. We should do the same. So don't ever just run through a church, walk into the church, go to your pew without a reverent genuflection to fall on our knees, make the sign of the cross and worship. Jesus loves it when we come to him humbly and reverently. Now, I, I want to share with you something else here. One, one other little reflection on how we can enter Eucharistic reverence, Eucharistic adoration in worship, whether in mass or in an adoration chapel, like, like the Magi did. Think about the three gifts the Magi brought. You know, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, gold, as you, you probably know, is a, is a great gift fitting for a king. In fact, there are people in the Old Testament that would come and bring gifts of gold to, to reverence the king. 
to remember the king, to honor the king. But frankincense, frankincense, what is that? Frankincense was an expensive perfume. It it was used for incense and it would have been used for worship. So if you think in our mass, we have incense and it's used in worship, this is pointing to Christ's divinity. So if the gold that the Magi bring is a gift fit for a king, it's a royal gift, frankincense is used for worship. Frankincense points to Christ's divinity. Jesus is fully God. That's why we worship him. We fall down on our knees. We pay him homage like the Magi. But they also come bringing myrrh. Myrrh was an an exotic spice that was used for an anointing, especially for burials. So it also highlights Jesus's humanity. It points to Jesus's death. And we can remember that this is our great king. This is the, the divine holy son of God. But he's one that was human that came to die for us. I think in these three gifts, we really get a great picture of who Jesus is. He's our king. He's our God. And he loves us so much. He came to die for us. Wow. We, we, he deserves our, our thanks. <laughs> he deserves our praise. He deserves our reverence. And so we want to give similar gifts when we go to Jesus. We might not come with gold coins in our pocket, and we're probably not going to be carrying a perfume and exotic spices. No, no. Uh, but we, we can give something even greater than the Magi gave greater than money. We can give Jesus our hearts. We can give him our praise, our thanksgiving. We can give him our adoration. Listen to what St. Gregory Nanzianzen said, another great saint we celebrate this week in the church, his feast days this week here. He talks about how we can bring Jesus gifts, maybe not of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but gifts of our hearts in praise and thanksgiving. Gregory of Nancy Enzen says that that, that that gift of praise and thanksgiving in our heart, he says these are great, quote, great spiritual gifts, more sublime than those which can be seen with eyes. My friends, do you want to become like the Magi? Your heart was made for worship. Your heart was made for devotion, for adoration. Your heart was made for reverence for Eucharistic reverence. And so let's go to Jesus and worship him at every mass. Let's go like the Magi uh, with our hearts exceedingly joyful to receive him in Holy Communion. But when we enter our parishes, when we receive him in Holy Communion and we're back at our pew in those moments, let's give Jesus a greater gift than the Magi. Let's give him heartfelt gratitude. Let's tell him how much we love him. Let's thank him for being such a good king, our God who became man to dwell among us and even died for us. What a great king. What king dies for his own people? Most kingdoms, the people are all fighting to protect the king. Our king died for us. And that's what the the myrrh symbolizes with the gold and the frankincense. He's our king, the divine one who became one of us and died. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, king, divinity, humanity. Let's go and show Jesus Eucharistic reverence, Eucharistic worship, Eucharistic devotion. Let's take time this year. You know, it's the beginning of the new year. And oftentimes we have little New Year's resolutions that we could set up for ourselves. Maybe a resolution is to spend a little extra time with Jesus in the Eucharist, 
to spend time in a Eucharistic chapel, in adoration, to spend time in our parish. Maybe your parish doesn't have Eucharistic adoration, but you can still go in the parish and you go near to the tabernacle and you can fall on your knees and worship him. We are made for worship. This is our heart's greatest desire is to worship our God. Let's do it like the Magi. Let's go on a journey. They Think about those Magi. They traveled so far. They went out of their way. It was probably you know, a several month interruption in their schedule. Can you have just maybe a 10 minute interruption in your schedule once a week and just go out of your way and drive by and stop at your chapel and just spend time to worship with Jesus? Stop by your parish church. Maybe you can give up a half hour or maybe a holy hour. Give a holy hour to Jesus and fall on your knees in Eucharistic worship. Our King, our God has come near to us. He did that 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, and he remains present with us in the Blessed Sacrament and all the tabernacles around the world, even until the end of time. May he be praised. May he be loved. May he be adored. May we be like the Magi and fall down and worship him and approach him with great joy. Thanks, my friends, for listening. Hope this has been a blessing to you. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help others grow in their devotion to the scriptures, to the Catholic faith, and especially to Jesus in the Eucharist, share the All Things Catholic podcast with your friends, with your family. You can always reach me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And you can find me on my website at edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com. God bless.